Welcome back to the Revelation Power Podcast. I'm author and host Kevin Hopkins, and this is episode 198. We continue our trip through the book of Romans. Today we're in Romans chapter 6, the second half of the chapter, beginning in verse 15. Paul started this chapter by saying, What then, shall we sin so that grace would abound even more? By no means. In verse 15, he says, What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. He's taken the two counter arguments against grace or against the sufficiency of grace, against the fact that the presence of grace would only make sin that much more attractive. And, and he's knocked the, the wheels out from under both arguments. There were people that said, well, if, if grace abounds even more when sin abounds, let's sin more so that grace can be released into the world. Paul says that's, that's stupid logic. And there were people that said, well, if we're not under the law, but we're under grace, why not just sin? Paul says again, stupid logic. And here's why. Verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. It's kind of an odd phrase, and so he says very clearly, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's another way to say the same things he said in the first half of the chapter. And in fact, the thought that he started back in chapter 5, The gift is not like the trespass. The grace is not like the sin. Because the sin can only result in death. And and at death, the effect of sin is over. It has killed what it came to kill, and like a parasite kills its host, the parasite's ability to to gather anything else from the host is over when it dies. Sin leads to death. 
but at death, the reign of sin is over. So we who are saved and say to Christ, be my savior, I confess my sin, judge me now, and let me die to my sin. When we make that step that you and I call salvation in the New Testament Christian church, we die to sin. And so, as Paul said in the first half of of this chapter, sin no longer has control over the person who's died. We die to sin, we're raised to new righteousness, to new life. As Jesus told Nicodemus, we must be. So that what rules us now is that grace, that righteousness. Now, Paul uses hyperbolic language, severe opposites here. And he says, you used to be slaves to sin. Now, that's not hyperbole. That's exactly the truth. The person who lives in sin doesn't know differently. And if he does, finds himself unable to do differently. I think all of us have had something in our lives at some point that we wished was gone. A habit, a hang-up, a hurt, a problem, a pattern. The old-timers would call it a bent to sinning. Something that we kept going back to even though we hated it and didn't want to do it. I was watching people take a smoke break. I was going through the drive-in at a restaurant not too many days ago. And some of the staff were out in front in the cold wind. We just had a cold snap, the first one of the fall, and it was freezing cold outside. And these folks are out in a 30 mile an hour wind in the freezing wind, huddled up, cigarettes between their fingers, sticking them in their mouth, smoking them off as fast as they can. And, and as I drove by with my window down, one of them said, nasty habit, wish I'd never started. We get to the point that something is wrong in our life and we know it's wrong. We just can't find the way out. We are a slave to that wrong. Paul says, you used to live as slaves to sin. And everybody who's ever experienced wrongness in their life to that extent understands exactly what he's talking about. It does feel like slavery. But he says in verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Now that's hyperbolic. Righteousness sets people free. It doesn't really enslave people. He's using hyperbole here. In the same way that sin used to be your habit, that sin used to be the thing you returned to, and when you tried to clean up, you would fail in that effort and you would go right back to your sin. Now, be the same in righteousness. That if you fail, righteousness is what you return to. And when you realize that your life needs a pattern change, it's righteousness to which you return. 
It becomes the habit. It becomes the pattern. It becomes the bent. Now I'm bent to be righteous. I'm not really a slave to it because grace set me free. But I'm I'm the servant, the willing servant of that grace. It's where I want to go back. It's where I want to live. It's what I want to do. Because in that, slavery is my freedom. It's an interesting hyperbole, but Paul's not the first one to use it. If you think back, Jesus uses the same imagery in the parable that we call the parable of the prodigal son. Should be called the parable of the unfaithful big brother or the parable of the faithful father. But we call it the parable of the prodigal son. It isn't even about him. But in that parable, the son asks for his inheritance from his father. In fact, the Bible says he demanded it. The father gives it to him, which in Jewish culture means that somebody has to die. In order for the son to get his inheritance, either the father has to die or he has to die to the son. And the only way to do that is after the son leaves, the father goes to the doorpost of the house, rends his garments, and declares that son dead to him. So now the son can have his inheritance because there's been a death. It's He thinks it's like his father has died because now he's free to go spend his inheritance when the truth is he's died to the father. In the father's heart and mind, he's not supposed to exist anymore. Now, in the story of the prodigal son, though the son deserves to be declared dead and probably was, we understand that the father never stops looking for him. As soon as he sees him in the distance, the father runs after him. But in the meantime, the son goes to the far country, wastes his inheritance, squanders it on prostitutes and friends who aren't really friends, drunkenness and debauchery, until the money's all gone. Then the friends are all gone. Then he hires himself off to a farmer of that land who happens to farm pigs. The greatest insult and degradation a Jewish boy could ever suffer to be the the one who tends the hogs. The unclean, dirty, nasty, stinky, smelly, greasy pigs. Not only does he have to tend the hogs, but the story tells us, Jesus tells us in the story, that he becomes so hungry that he longs to eat the, the carob pods that the pigs are eating. Carob pods uh, fall from a carob tree. They're very, very tough. They're hard to open up. Um, they're very sweet. The husks are very sweet. The seeds are very hard. So there's, there's scholars look at that story two ways. Either he wanted to chew the husks, but the hogs have, have tusks and they would fight him for the sweet husks. He couldn't have those, but he could eat the seeds because when the hogs eat the husks, they ingest the seeds and the seeds don't digest easily and so the hogs poop them out. Now the boy is free to gather the seeds and 
wash them in whatever he can find, crush them, and they taste like chocolate. And they're very nutritious. He could eat those to stay alive, but he's got to clean them up out of the pig poop to get them. Either way, it's not a very good story. At least not for the boy. And in the midst of fishing carob seeds out of pig poop, the Bible says he comes to his senses and he says, what am I doing? I'm living here working for this guy who makes me live with the pigs and the slaves in my father's house, the hired hands in my father's house. The lowest paid person in my father's household gets three meals a day and a cot. Why am I living like this? I'm going home. And I'll say to my father, I'm not fit to be called your son. Make me one of your servants. Make me like a hired hand. And and I'll live out on the hired hand's quarters. I'll eat what they eat. I'll dress in what they dress in. I'll sleep where they sleep. Because he knows that in his father's house, the lowliest have it better than he has it in his rebellion. Paul is saying exactly the same thing to you and I. Come to your senses. Look at where sin leads to absolute destruction. The lowliest creature in God's kingdom lives better than that. Wouldn't you be better off to live as a slave to righteousness than as the prince of sin? And the answer is yes. Yes, yes, I would. (coughs) Because that life of righteousness lived in grace leads to holiness it leads to holiness my only hope of holiness in this lifetime is to live in grace and to experience the infilling of the righteousness of God for God made him who knew no sin to become absolute sin for us so that in him we might become the absolute righteousness of God. The only holiness I will ever know in this lifetime is God's holiness imparted to me, poured into me from God himself. And at the point that I stop living in righteousness, I will stop experiencing his holiness. You see. So it's not that I'm a slave to it, but I'm dependent upon it. I'm dependent on God every day for the the payment, the, the granting, the giving of righteousness to me that I didn't deserve so that I can live in some modicum of holiness. Because there's only one option. The option to receiving God's holiness poured into me undeserving is to be paid what I deserve. The only option to having God's righteousness poured into me, though undeserving, is to be paid 
what I deserve. Verse 23, for the wages of sin, the just payment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'd rather be dependent on the gift than get what I earned. I'd rather receive grace free from God and be dependent on that for any holiness or righteousness at all than to get what I deserve.